Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, today for the word. We thank you for the truth. We thank you for your light, your life that has become our life and our light. We thank you, Lord, for um, the Zoe life of God that pulsates to every cell and piece of DNA in our bodies. Lord, we thank you for your goodness. And we thank you for your goodness here in the land of the living. And we thank you that we don't have to wait till we get to heaven to have any blessing. That you've already given us all things by giving us Jesus. We give you glory and honor and praise that many lives will be touched today. Uh, those that are watching by internet and that will later also watch on the archives, Lord, that the anointing and the Spirit of God will come through the airwaves and touch their lives in a special way. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. Okay, I'm going to preach on my favorite subject, which is the true gospel of Jesus. And you know, if, uh, if for some reason your church or ministry or whatever isn't getting any gospel results, it could be because you're not preaching the gospel. Just a clue, you know, <laughs> that there might be something wrong with the message. But uh, thank God we're instructed in the Word by uh, of what the true message. Amen. Uh, Kenneth Hagin wrote a book, and if you don't have it, I suggest you get it. He wrote a. I'm so. Uh, oh, I'm not going to say what I almost said. That's too mean. Anyway, Brother Hagin, Kill uh, Osborne one time started to say something kind of mean, and he said. I'm not going to say that it's too mean. He said, mean preachers make mean people. <laughs> That's kind of true, isn't it? So we won't be mean today. Amen. But um, anyway, uh, this book is, is, is amazing and uh, um, called Paul's Revelation. Uh, uh, the the, the uh, message or the gospel of reconciliation. That's the sub, subtitle. And in it, there's a chapter called Chapter 2, The True Gospel. And now, this, I'll give you a secret about Kenneth Hagin. He never wrote one book. They're all transcriptions from his sermons, which is fine. It's still his words. He just didn't, like, sit down and type it out. You know, somebody else did. But the, the cool thing about uh, Brother Hagin and his, his writings, his, his books, uh, is that, um, you know, again, you, you just, you can remember for the later stuff, if you were in the service, you, you could, you could remember, and when you finally got the book, you'd say, oh, I was in the service where he preached this the first time. So he preached this message back in 19, uh, whenever it was, 1982 or something like that. And I was in the auditorium at Rama when he preached it, and all the ox when he said certain things, all the oxygen left the room. And I don't think he ever really preached it again publicly because I think he thought it might be a little too uh, much at that moment for people to take. But he said it anyway. And uh, so if you'd like to get a copy of that book, it's worth it's worth looking at. It's worth reading. Amen. But he said in that that. The, the real message that the church should be preaching to the world. Now, there's a message to the church, and then there's a message to the world. They go hand in hand. Amen. 
whatever message you hear to get saved will help you your rest of your life. It's There's only one gospel. But there's instructions to believers, hallelujah, uh, on behavior and that kind of thing that you wouldn't necessarily preach to the world. Why would you preach a behavior holiness message to the world that's not even saved yet? And that the church keeps trying this generation after generation. We're going to correct everybody's behavior. Well, you're not because the Bible says that the, the natural man, natural mind cannot doesn't say might make it or possibility. The word says cannot uh, understand the things of the Spirit. So the, there's only one package of information, one message that the world needs to be hearing. Amen? Now, Paul said um, that um, he determined to know nothing. Uh, he said, I determined, you know, that my, in other words, his... First goal, I determined to know nothing among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Well, the problem is, however, that the Jews that were in the church were trying to Judaize all these Gentiles and basically turn them into Christian slash Jews. That's trying to do. So they were saying, they were going around asking people if they were circumcised. This was what Paul was putting up with. And it's called the mixture message. In other words, you got these Mediterranean people that all they knew was, uh, like in Galatia or at uh, Corinth, all they knew were, uh, was Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Yippee. And so the Jews got it, kind of got in there and said, Oh, but we, we need to go over Moses' law now and we need to keep as much of it as possible. Well, the church is still saying that in some way. We need to keep as much of it as possible. In fact, there's whole churches that are trying to practice Judaism in their Christian worship, and it's just a little weird, just to be honest. You know, everybody's wearing yarmulkes and, and prayer shawls and whatever else. And, you know, I've said, well, if a yarmulke and a prayer shawl will help you, maybe try a sombrero and a, and a poncho the next service and see if that helps you any. I mean, you know, I'm not mocking anybody. I'm just saying, you know, if that if that helps you in prayer, wear it all. Praise God. Get a feather boa next time and see if that might help your spirit lift it up. I don't know. How about some Mardi Gras beads? Well, that won't work for Pentecostals because you can't have jewelry touching your skin, you know, on a brooch on your dress. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> but anyway... My mom had the biggest brooches you ever saw because she couldn't have anything touch her skin. But uh, then she tore them apart and made rings when they decided that wasn't a sin anymore. The the committee that decides these things. Anyway, it, it all gets hysterical, doesn't it? But it's just as hysterical. You know, Paul said, and I won't get into detail on this because you can kind of use your imagination, but Paul said that when he and Titus were out preaching the gospel, that they had spies. Now, this was within the church, but they had spies out trying to see if Titus was circumcised or not. How would you like to be on that? I mean, that's horrible. Think about it. You know, like, are they trying to catch him, you know, bathing or what? I don't know. But uh, that's how weird that got. And so what, uh, what, was, what was developing out of it was another gospel. In other words, instead of just Here's the story of Jesus. 
He died for you. He shed His blood. Do you receive His grace? Do you receive what He's done for you? Do you receive righteousness by faith? And that's the question. And so He said, He said, that's the, what's being offered now in, in uh, 2 Corinthians 5.17. He says, what's being offered here is this grace, is this righteousness. Uh, accept Christ. And then, then come on in the church and then, and then study the word, hear the spirit, and your behavior will automatically change because it's emanating from the inside out. But the church, for some reason, has taken upon itself the job of changing people from the outside in and it don't work like that. We sing a song, something on the inside working on the outside. But we practice many times something on the outside working on the inside. It doesn't work like that. Anyway, let's just see what Paul said. Now, by the time he gets to the saints at, uh, at, at, at Galatia, he has had it. He's kind of Mr. He's, a, he's very instructive and, uh, and so forth in, uh, in, 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 uh, Romans and first and second Corinthians. But he gets to Galatia and the gloves come off. And he's had it. And in fact, in, in, in chapter three, he calls them stupid. And so that's, that's, that's not very seeker sensitive, is it? To call the crowd stupid. But that's what he did. He said, are you so stupid? Are you so foolish? Are you so dumb? Are you so vulnerable and whatever that you, you know, you, you can't even believe what? So he starts in on them like this. And, uh, first thing he says in, in Galatians 1, 3 is grace be to you. Oh my. One, one pastor called it the G word. He was so upset. He was so mad. You know, the problem with grace is this is, if if it's not if it's not a gift, it's not grace. If it's something that has to be earned, it's no longer grace. It's some kind of payment or some kind of merit or some kind of of of, of upgrading that you've been able to do. So if it's not if it's not free and it's not a gift, it's not grace. So the problem with grace, however, is that it's it's the thing that you receive to believe in to to be saved. Ephesians 2.8 says it clearly. We're saved by grace through faith. Faith in what? Faith in that grace that was able to cleanse us. Amen. And so you could be the best Christian the world has ever seen as far as behavior and still die and go to hell. And uh, so we're not saved by works. Amen. But grace transforms us on the inside that leads us to good works, amen, leads us to do. So so uh, you maybe you got some guy in the church that's hitting on all the girls and, and you know, just being a, a, a problem. <laughs> and he says, well, I can do anything I want. I can fornicate. I can do whatever I want. I'm under grace. Don't judge me. And it's like, you're not under grace. According to what Paul said, you're still got a relationship with Hagar and her son Ishmael. In other words, you've got some kind of relationship with the law that you feel the need to rebel against. You're attached to the law. You're not under grace. You're a liar. These grace preachers, they need to start telling people that. Because it's like, well, you know, they don't want to deal with that. It's like faith people are not wanting to deal with somebody that didn't get their healing. They don't want to talk about it. It's too sensitive. God, if we can't talk about sensitive stuff at church, where are we going to talk about it? Life is sensitive. Hello. 
Amen. And uh, we certainly don't want to, just by our own stupidity, we don't want to offend people in the house of God. But if the Word of God offends you, then deal with it. All right, praise God. That's not very seeker sensitive either, is it? I guess you've noticed we're not trying to be that, so. Grace be to you and peace. Peace, man, peace. From God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us. See, not save us so that we can just stay in the world and live like the world. Again, the reason some people are against grace is that they have heard of folks who have said, well, grace gives me a license to do anything I want. The problem with that is it's the ditch. And the other ditch is, well, you know, I only need grace as a stopgap measure. I'm being judged by my life. And uh, when I mess up, which I will because I'm human and I'm faulty and I got problems, uh, grace will fill in the gap. And so the more grace you need, the, the, you know, the more embarrassed you are. Well, that's, that's the other ditch. But we need to go down the middle of the road. Amen. Praise the Lord. Accept the grace of God. And at the same time, just, you know, follow your heart and do the right thing. This isn't difficult. I don't know why folks struggle. They struggle because they have a relationship with the law. I don't care what they say. Paul explains that, and that's a whole other lesson, and we're not going to do that today because we, you know, we want to get to the restaurants before they close at o'clock tonight. But, boy, I could just do. Scarlett said to me, I don't know, a few weeks ago, she shouldn't tempt me like this, but she said, I think we should do like just a whole weekend on, on the subject of grace and just cover it according to the word. And you just let it all out. And I thought, why do you tease me in this way? I think that would be fantastic. I would come. Amen. I command this light to stay. I got a strobe going. Man, we are so cool. We really are seeker here. We have strobes. I was at this church one time years ago when all that stuff was starting. And, you know, they'd already painted the whole church black. And uh, lights are so low, you have to get out your phone to read the bulletin, you know. And uh, they started up the music, and they had all kind of whirly gigs and all kinds of lights going and everything. It was like a nightclub. I just thought, I don't know. I just I had a hard time worse. I didn't like it. I didn't go back. They probably have 10,000 people by now or something, but I'm just telling you, it's just weird to me all that. I'm just, I'm too old school. Sorry. Ah, help me, Jesus, with this current whatever craziness that we live in. Anyway, he's, his, the grace of God was designed to deliver us from this present evil world, not help us get along with it. According to the will of God and our Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Now, now he starts in on them. 
I marvel. I love it. I, love, I think this is so sarcastic. You can't even believe he's writing this. But what a, what a thing to say to some, you know, I just marvel at how off and in error you have gotten. I mean, this is what he's saying. He says, I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into this grace of Christ unto another gospel. Now, he's calling any additions to the true message of Jesus, he's calling it another gospel. You've changed the rules. You have changed the contract. It's kind of like, have you ever signed a contract for something and then you sat down to close on the property or whatever it is you're doing and they've changed it somehow? It's different than what you signed. It's different than what you agreed to. So you've got something else. Now you've got a different animal, right? You've got something else that you're dealing with. He said, unto another gospel. Because what was being attempted was the infiltration of the Judaizers. This is not anti-Semitic. I'm telling you it is not. It's just the facts of what was happening. That you've got these folks who are saying, well, if we're truly of God, then the women have to cover their head. I mean, it, it's, I don't know if you realize this, but, but straight Mosaic law looks a lot like Sharia law. It's got legal stonings in it. Not only that you can stone somebody, but that you must if found guilty of adultery or whatever. And so now there are people uh, who've had mates who committed adultery who would be for that, probably, you know. They would lead the stoning. But it's supposed to be a joke. But uh can you imagine? And so when Paul, Paul was involved in that. Paul was involved in the stoning of Stephen. He held the coats of those who stoned. I, I, the way Paul was acting, he may have he may have been the one to stir it up. Because he was dragging Christians out of their homes and bringing them to the court of the Sanhedrin and having them, and then they'd hand them over to the Romans is what they do. And many early Christians died, Circus Maximus and the Colosseum, uh, you know, being eaten by alligators in front of people and everything. And so think about it. Paul said in Philippians, Concerning the righteousness that's in the law, I am blameless. Okay, so that means that even the stoning of Stephen did not put blame on him under the law. Can you imagine that kind? That's what kind of grace is that? What kind of right? There is no grace in that. You follow me? So folks who are always preaching, well, we need to get back under the law. The women need to cover their head and the men need to wear yarmulkes and we're going to, oh, blah, blah, blah. We've had a worship on Saturday, and I mean, it's, uh, woo, help us, Jesus. And, uh, that somehow, oh, I'm not going to say that. That is way too, oh, no, shut up, David. Things I want to say. I'm going to write a book called Things I Wanted to Say What Was Too Chicken. Anyway, anytime you add something to the gospel of Christ, you have, you've, you've diluted it, you've changed it, you've poisoned it. 
It is no longer the gospel of Christ. It's another gospel. Now let's see what he said about that. Which there is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. You know, every every heresy type group, I'm not talking about another religion like Islam or or Hinduism or something, but every uh, Christian group that gets in the ditch and weird and comes up with all kinds of additions uh, and heresies and become like a cult type group, they always start by perverting the gospel of Christ. Something, Something in the gospel gets tampered with. Now, if you don't think purity means anything, go ahead and pour Aunt Jamal down your gas tank and see what happens to your engine. Syrup. Aunt Jemima syrup. Not literally Aunt Jemima. Aunt Jemima syrup. You got to, language is funny. Nobody knows what you're talking about. Like, I used to make jokes about dialing for dollars, but then the millennials don't know what that is. You know, what's a dial? Or dial it back. You know, they don't know anything. They don't have dials. They have Siri. Siri, change my radio station, you know. Pervert the gospel of Christ. So if you pervert the gospel of Christ, you no longer have the gospel. You've got something else. But though we or an angel from heaven, even an angel from heaven, wow, preach any other gospel unto you than that which you have, we have already preached unto you, let him be accursed. Wow, that goes over big. As we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you, then that you have received, let him be accursed. For do I now persuade men or God? Do I seek to please men? Or, or, or For if I yet please men, I should not be the servant of Christ. Amen. So he goes on and on about that. And of course, when he gets to the third chapter here, he is so upset at them over this that he says, Oh foolish Galatians, chapter three, verse one, Oh foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth crucified among you. Now look at verse 3. Are you so foolish? There's other translations that, like the Message Bible. It's a little tough on them. I think he says stupid or something. What is it? You got the message? Are you? Go- oh, look at this. is beautiful. Are you going to continue with this craziness? He calls them cray-cray. For only crazy people would think they could complete by their own efforts what was begun by God. If you weren't smart enough or strong enough to begin it, how do you suppose you could perfect it? In other words, he's saying, you weren't saved by flesh. What makes you think you can perfect yourself in the flesh? 
let me just say this. Even if you're having a flesh problem, I personally have never had one. Oh, please. <laughs> this is when people start looking at the floor, counting the tiles under the, you know. My mom one time, my dad was sitting in a auditorium at Rama, and he was looking up at the ceiling and staring and my mother thought he was having a vision or he saw Jesus or angels or something holy. And she said, Doc, what are you seeing? He goes, there's 72 light fixtures in that section right there. <laughs> he was counting the light fixtures during Brother Hagen's meeting. So, you know, you don't pay any attention to what people do sitting out there. You know, they're about to look, oh, I think they see something. They're counting the number of boards and the beams, you know, whatever. Found a flaw somewhere in the church. Yeah, look at, uh, look at Galatians 3.1 in the Aunt Message Bible. It's so awesome. You crazy Galatians. There he goes. Did someone put a hex on you? Have you taken leave of your senses? Something crazy has happened because it's obvious you no longer have the crucified Jesus in clear focus in your lives. His sacrifice on the cross was certainly set before you clearly enough. Amen. Even if you're having a problem with the flesh and sin or whatever, the answer is spiritual. It is not just, well, I'm going to be stronger, willpower, and I ask the Lord to help me to be stronger. He will not help you in your flesh struggle. He will help you with your faith. Praise the Lord. Let's say you need to overcome something that's a, a real temptation in your life. I'm telling you, Christ can help you. The Holy Spirit can help you, but it's from the inside out. It's from believing in the finished work of the cross. It's from declaring, Jesus is enough. He's everything to me. Jesus can help me overcome addiction. He can help me overcome, you know, whatever it is that's driving you to do horrible stuff. I always said that the, I always said that the greatest message that I always said that the greatest message that can be preached like to the youth class or something is uh is um who 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 they are in Christ, who people are in Jesus. Amen. That's the greatest message that could be preached. And oftentimes what they get what they get is a bunch of rules and regulations. No holding of hands, no one they already know they're not supposed to be holding hands. Because I'm sure they've been told that by everybody. So you think, well, they're not holding hands in my class. They are the minute you walk out the door. Come on. You know, what, are you going to beat them up for being humans? You know, and we think our rules and our screaming at them and condemning them is helping them. It's not. It makes it worse. In fact, it makes it more exciting when you're not, when they're not there. I'm telling you, it's the way it works. I was in the Dorval Church of God State Campground Tabernacle in 1960, 
nine, and our youth evangelist gave an altar call for wearing shorts. Now think, now, now, to, you, you know, and so he said, he's, <laughs> I love this man too. I won't tell you his name. Some of you would know him. He turned out to be a great guy. He said, this man, he said, but brother so-and-so, it's hot in Georgia in the summer. That's why we wear shorts. He said, you think it's hot here. You just wait till you get to hell with your shorts on, you know. Had a big altar call, praise God. You condemn them enough, you get them down there. I didn't answer the altar call because I said, I'm wearing my shorts. But we were living on the campground at the time, so my dad gets a letter from the state office. Your son, I'm... I'm I'm 12 years old. Your son is wearing shorts. And my dad wrote back, yes, because it's hot. <laughs> you want to make a case about this? Go ahead. Now, listen, it's maybe the reason I am the way I am about grace and righteousness. I grew up with the rules getting thrown at me, and some of them were so insane. You should read like the 1922 Church of God Minutes. I, I had a copy of it. On the assembly floor, they wanted to discuss, should Church of God members chew gum? And the answer was, well, we're not going to make it part of the rules, but really you shouldn't because, you know, it's, it's worldly pleasure. Should they have a rocking chair? Should they, should, you know, should they listen to the radio? All this craziness. So Teal Osborne said one time, who grew up in the uh, Pentecostal Church of God, which is another denomination. He said, breathing might have been a sin if you enjoyed it. You know. Some of us can relate. Ruby can relate to that. We Praise the Lord. So some of us, my mother, you know, is 90. She'll be 92 in May. My mother uh, was in a Word of Faith meeting and they were screaming rules because they think they're counteracting the grace message, you know. And they're screaming rules of my mother in the back room to my dad's horror and dismay. My poor father tried to make it in the ministry and he had me for a son and mother for a wife. <laughs> and my sister wasn't any help either. Poor daddy. But uh, in the back room and my mother said, they were talking about rules and my mother said, I grew up being told what to do, and I'll be switched at 80-something if I'm going to continue that. Y'all can just do, forget it. My dad said, Jerry, you know, you're not helping me any, you know, with this. That's a political suicide right there, you know. Are y'all getting anything by this? Look, thanks. Look at Galatians 2, uh, 21. I do not frustrate the grace of God, for if righteousness comes by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. And then look at uh, 3.11, Galatians 3.11. But that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God, it is evident, for the just shall live by faith. And the law is not of faith, but the man that, that doeth them shall live in them. Christ hath redeemed us. Woo! 
Aren't you glad? From the curse of the law being made a curse for us, for his written curses, everyone that hangeth on a tree. That the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ. Not come on the Gentiles by learning how to practice Judaism. That's not there. We got Christians raising money to help the Jews build the third temple. This is insane. What? It is going to be built. But I don't think it's going to be the Christians that get the credit for building it. I'm just telling you. Now that statement right there, if it got out very far, I'm telling you would cost me something. Uh, but uh, I, I just have to show you what, if you don't like Paul, rip that part out, I guess. But I'm telling you, that's what the word says. We, the blessing comes through Jesus Christ, not through not through genealogical charts. I've literally been in meetings where they brought out genealogical charts. And you know, okay. Poor Scarlett has to listen to this all the time. That we might might receive, I always said, you know, the preacher's wife, the pastor's wife has to hear the sermon three times. While it's being formulated, honey, listen to what I found. All the way to the church. That's why you drove your own car today. (laughs) I was wondering what was up with that. (laughs) She's got an errand to run different. Anyway, on the way to church, she hears the message. At the church, she hears the message. After church, the message continues for all the stuff you didn't have time to say. She said, that's really good, David. <laughs> Maybe you could share that next Sunday. <laughs> Once in the bill in the uh, okay. <laughs> Hallelujah. We're gonna get the blessing through faith in Christ, not our genealogical chart, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through Works of the law. Is that what it says? Through faith. Amen. Then he goes on, just to make everybody else, every the other half mad, he goes on to talk about that the seed that's talked about there, the seed of Abraham, he's not talking, oh boy. I'll just, I won't say who he's not talking about, but I will tell you who he is talking about. He's talking about Jesus Christ. He said one seed only. He said not seeds, plural. Well, let's read that, all right? Um, if, uh, Jerry, if you'll put up on the screen Galatians 3, um, 16, um, In uh, Amplified. Classic, yeah. Now the promises, covenants, agreements were decreed and made to Abraham and his seed, his offspring. Notice seed. Notice, notice this, that, that the, the, the word seed is capitalized. 
Why? Is, see, we need to slow down and read the word. Why is it capitalized? Because it's referring to Jesus. It's refer, that seed is divine seed. He's talking about deity here. That's why it's capitalized. Ah! I'm going to blow up. Abraham and his seed, capital S. And in case we didn't get it, the good folks at Grand Rapids put it together for us. His offspring. Can you trust Dutch people with a Bible? All right. His offspring, again, capital O, who's he talking about? The Jewish race, all of Israel, current day Israel, old day Israel? No, who's he talking about? O, offspring, one, he says, his heir, capital H. He, God, does not say, and to seeds, descendants and heirs. You can put your genealogical chart away. Oh, God. Why do I have to preach this? As if referring to many persons, but, and to your seed, capital S, your descendant, your heir, obviously referring to one individual, which is none other, who, who is none other than Jesus Christ, the Messiah. Now, there's preachers today, some of them my friends, who are preaching that our blessings are coming through the Jewish race, and therefore that's why we should raise money and build synagogues. But I'm telling you, that is unscriptural, and it's a heresy, to be honest. It's not, and God help me, Scarlet, but I'm telling you, what do you do with that verse? You would have to take an exacto knife and cut it out of the Bible to not believe that. Amen. We are not saved by our connection to Bible Israel or modern Israel. We are saved by our connection to Jesus Christ, and the blessings of Abraham come through him, not anyone else or any other strain of anyone else. Preach, brother! One good thing about being in a Pentecostal denomination is they at least agree with all that. They'll back me up 100% when it comes to the gospel. I don't know about my faith friends. They would or not, because they just get all kind of problems with that. But that's what Paul said. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. So the promise was made. The promise wasn't even made to us. The promise was made to Jesus. He's the seed, and he's the testator of the will. And once he died, it was all set, and you can't change it. You can't change a will after the person that wrote it died. The will set, it's over. The property will be conveyed, whatever it, whatever the will says. The judge goes by the will. The governor goes by the will. The president, you can't get anybody to change it. Nope, in any way. 
So thank God, which is a good thing, because, you know, folks that get into, <laughs> if they thought it was changeable, you'd have war every day, and they probably do anyway. There are people who contest it. But it, that will is hard to change, amen? And in, in the sense of God's word, it's impossible to change. All right, are y'all getting anything out of this at all? So don't let anybody add to your to your faith in Christ. Add some other hurdle to jump over to be saved. Amen? Now, you want a little more? Okay. Let's look at, let's see, where are we going to go? I had one more little, little, little uh, place that I wanted us to see. Amen. So look at look at Ephesians. Uh, four and. Look at something here that's very much related. Because remember, Paul is trying to get everybody to just believe the gospel. And remember, he said, concerning the righteousness in the law, I was blameless. And he had six other things in Philippians that he talked about. That, that, that he said, if any man has cause to boast in the flesh, I more. He talks about being of the, the circumcised the eighth day, uh, being of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews. All these things, he said, concerning the righteousness and the law, blameless. Think about that. And he said, I count it all as done, that I may have faith in Christ. He's saying faith in Christ is the highest and the best thing. Amen? Done's a strong word. If you don't know what it means, look it up. English. God help us. Now, in Spanish, it's nicer. It's basura, which is trash. Trash is a nicer word than done. Right? You know, folks, look they have the look of fear on their face like, he's going to say it. He's going to say it. He's going to say it. I'm not going to say it, but I'm thinking it. We were at the zoo recently and saw some of that. In Tampa. The the rhino is especially interesting. In regards to dung. Okay, I'll, I'll get off of that. Ephesians 4... This is so beautiful. Ephesians is beautiful. You know, he calmed down when he got to Ephesus, I guess, because you know that he 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 told he told the Galatians they were all crazy. <laughs> he might have slept out in the you know, <laughs> under the cover of night. I don't know. <laughs> they might have been ready to whip him. But he makes it to Ephesus and he whacks eloquent, <laughs> doesn't he? It's beautiful. Ephesians is like this beautiful. Poetry almost, you know, the way he describes life in Christ. It's such a great book, isn't it? And then listen to this. He says, uh, 
in, in, in Ephesians 4, and uh, he's being talking about, about being taught by Christ and the truth is in Jesus. And look at verse 22, that you put off concerning the former conversation or lifestyle, the old man, because we're no longer the old man living by the old law. We're the new man living by life, new life. Amen? Which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust and be renewed in the spirit of your mind or attitude of your mind. And be renewed in the mind. We're renewing our mind. We come to church where we're renewing our minds. CNN and Fox and MSNBC and all, they're not going to renew your mind. People say, well, I don't need to go to church or anything because I don't, I, you know, I just, you know, I, I listen to the word whenever or whatever. I, I, I would put money on it that they're not listening to anything. It's just something to say. Now, I know there's times folks, you know, have been shut in or maybe, you know, home with dealing with an illness or whatever. They can't get out in public. Praise God for, you know, the Internet and all that, that they can hear the word. Amen. But not everybody's doing it. And uh, somebody said one time that folks that say, well, I don't need the church. Well, it's apparently that they really need it if they're saying that. There's something's really gone off. Okay, I'll get off of that. Nobody wants to hear that. Not anymore. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind that you put on the new man. Let's put on the new man, which after God is created created in righteousness and true holiness. True holiness is from the heart. Amen. That one song we sing, uh, Christ, uh, uh, the, the Lord I need you song says, uh, uh, holiness is Christ in me. That's true holiness. Because, because what, wherever the spirit would have dwelt, it has to be first purified or it can't dwell there. So in sacrifice, everything had to be purged with blood. And if they, if the high priest missed something, the spirit wouldn't come because it's defiled. All right. So when we were, we, when you see the word corrupt or corruption, it's talking about like a file is corrupted on your computer or a corrosion, something that's, 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 that's decaying and dying. So we think of corruption as, you know, an off-color joke or, or four-letter words or whatever. Those certainly shouldn't be used by believers and anybody, really, uh, you know, curse, curse things with your mouth. But he says, wherefore, putting away lying, that's one thing you might want to stop. Speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Uh be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. Let him that steals, stole, steal no more. But rather let him labor, working with his hands, the thing which is good that he may have to give to him that needs. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. Now, what does that mean? Well, it means, he's going to tell you what it means. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying or building up, 
that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. And there is the key to what corrupt communication is. Corrupt, he, when he's talking about corruption, he's talking about anything that would compromise that seal of the Holy Spirit upon our hearts. So if you're in a church service and the preacher, the way he's preaching, makes you doubt your salvation, makes you doubt that God's really forgiven you, makes you, make, puts you on shaky ground where faith is concerned, you've got corruption going on. Now a lot of them will do that to build the altar call. Just to be honest, you get enough people condemned. I was in a church one time, a friend of mine was up giving the altar call. Maybe 2,200 people or so sitting there in this church. And, uh, and, and I love the church. I love the pastor. I love my friend, but I'm just telling you what he did. He got up and gave an altar call for salvation. And well, like two people came and somebody said that the one guy that came, now that's, that's not a great big, you know, overwhelming altar call. Two people out of 2,200. Just saying it's a low percentage. So two people came. And somebody said, well, the one guy wasn't quite right in the head and he comes for everything. So, you know, he's not, he doesn't count. So the other, the other one came and, uh, maybe, maybe, maybe he needed to be saved, but you can't end the meeting, a big conference with that. So it's like he went to, if there's any sin in your life. Well, my wife Cherie was sitting next to me and I said, let's go down there. She said, would you shut up? You're going to embarrass everybody. I said, we need to go because he said, is there any sin in your life? And I overeat and you got mad at me and we were not, almost weren't speaking to each other by the time we got into church. And therefore we're in sin. We should go. She said, David, shut up. You know, now, now you're rebuking me. We're in strife over whether we should go down or not. Of course we shouldn't have gone down, but neither should almost anybody else. Because what a broad statement that is. Is there any sin in your life? I was thinking Brother Hagen should answer the altar call. Because I knew some of his deals. But we're so used to hearing this lingo that it's normal. So he says, is there any sin in your life? Well, you know, six or eight people come down there. And they got... The prayer team, you know, like have reserved seats, you know, in this place on each side. And so, you know, like comes down and then all the prayer team starts up. Oh, Jesus, we're salty sinners, you know, whatever. I'm surprised they didn't like wipe them down with sanitizer. Sinner spray, you know, like, like for ants or something, you know, like or ortho spray, keep the sinners away. We've been told, stay away from the world, but witness. Now, wait a minute. How do you do that? Here's how. You get one of these extension things that's got a clamp on the end, and you wear a Tyvek suit with gloves, and you put your track on the end of your rod, and you go, please take the track and get saved, then we can have fellowship. You know, I was, uh, anyway. 
Is there any sin in your life? So like six or eight people come. Now that's a bad looking altar call too. You got 2,200 people. You got about eight people down there. One guy's not right in the head. So, you know, he doesn't count. So you can't, you know, you, you discount that. I don't say he doesn't count as a person. I mean, just for the altar call because he comes to everybody. He's been saved like 400 times. So they do, they do, they, you know, they got, they got, <laughs> he's got them. And then he starts naming sins. You know, you've been involved with pornography. Nobody answered that. Wonder why. <laughs> Who wants to admit they're looking at porn and walk down the middle of a church of 2,200 people and stand there and go, I'm the pervert. <laughs> Nobody. And then, finally, he says, well, you haven't been sitting, but you've been hanging around people that do. And I said out loud, I could not help it. I could not contain myself any longer. So I said, there goes Jesus. Because he hangs around with sinners. There goes Jesus. And when I did, this preacher's wife that I didn't know turns to Cindy Black, who I do know, and said, who is that that keeps talking out? And Cindy goes, that's David Horton. He's always saying stuff. So I heard that, and I said, somebody needs to say something. <laughs> the next night, they moved my reserved seat four rows back. Then Brother Hagen called me up to do something, and it was successful, so my seat got moved up two rows, praise the Lord. <laughs> this is the way it works in faith conferences. You never know where you're going to be put. You'll know, you can gauge if you're on the favor list or the other list, like the dung list, you know. You're either on the favor list or the dung list, depending on what you've just said and done or what's been reported. It's, it's, it's always exciting, you never know. Life's like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. Like It's like <laughs> Forrest Gump. Forrest Gump goes to the faith conference. Yeah. Episode 14. All right. Any speech that lifts the confidence of folks who have called on the name of the Lord for salvation and makes them doubt their own place with Christ is corruption. And the Bible says, and grieve not the Holy Spirit. That's what grieves the Holy Spirit. Some people think the baby crying in the service grieves the Spirit. Well, it might grieve, you know, something or whatever, I mean, cause a disturbance. Or they sing the wrong song, that grieves. Whatever, you know, is oh, that's grievous. No, the Bible says what grieves the Holy Spirit is corrupt communication. Amen. And then, then, then you say, okay, now we're going to have a miracle service and nothing happens. You wonder why. There's no faith in the place. There's no confidence whatsoever. All you're thinking about is my mistake, my failure, whatever I did wrong. And I, I, just, I just can't get it right. And then you're going to get down, come down there and stand and believe God for a miracle. You're not getting to a miracle uh, unless it's by a miracle. Bypasses your faith. I won't get into that. It can happen, but it's, you know, whatever. But I'm just saying, because I've, I've shoved miracles down people's throats, didn't even want one. 
just to prove to them God would do it, and then they're mad because they didn't want to be healed because now they're going to lose their disability or whatever. But anyway, I had a guy in California just chew me out. He said, well, if you get me healed, I won't, the, the, the state will take away my van. I said, oh, okay, well, I don't want to mess with that. Anyway, praise God for the word. I, oh, I, I, I can't believe how long I've preached today. This is like a, I need help. Fortunately, I live with a certified counselor. She can help me for free, praise the Lord. All right, let's, uh, let's stand up and we'll pray together. Glory to God. Anybody got the victory in here? Thank God for the true gospel. Amen. Jesus name. I'll pray for the, uh, the television audience. I'm going to start saying that at some point. Those watching over the airwaves anyway. Amen. And, uh, by the internet and, uh, we'll believe God together. Father, in Jesus name, we thank you for the word. We thank you for the truth. We thank you for this life of righteousness in Christ. We thank you for your redemptive work that was done for us at Calvary. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I thank you that um, today that people are receiving a healing at home even. I command blind eyes to open, deaf ears to unstop, lame legs to walk, cancers and tumors to dry up and, 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 and uh, dissipate. Uh, those that are being tormented by an evil spirit, some kind of an oppression or depression or fear, that the power of the devil is broken right now in Jesus' name. Be healed and whole from the top of your head to the soles of your feet in the name of Jesus. Lord, those that need a a miracle in the area of their uh, finances or material needs, I thank you for showing yourself strong this week in their lives and doing mighty things. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord.